We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the In Snowball podcast. I'm John Ledger. With me is Brad Spielberger. And we are kind of, t- we've taken a couple day hiatus to, to look at everything and to evaluate some of the other games around the league so we can come back and give you fresh perspective obviously if you're looking for thoughts on the Steelers loss to the Patriots and just in general like the direction of the team we had two pods last week that really just talked a lot of big picture and then a lot of like looking ahead of Friday's podcast that we did right before the weekend if people haven't heard it um, basically talked a lot about uh, what the outlook is for the team even next season and like which players are kind of part of the solution here and, and need to be replaced and what the needs and priorities should be for this team moving forward I know some people aren't ready for the off-season conversation, Brad, just yet, but I think it would probably be helpful for them to hear some of the percentages as it relates to the Steelers in the playoffs at this point. So pro football focus, you guys have a little predictor percentages and, and gives all kinds of numbers on what the likelihood and the odds are that the Steelers or other teams around the league to come out of um, the regular season, make the playoffs, win the division title, conference championship, Super Bowl, things like that. What are the numbers telling us <laughs> about the Pittsburgh Steelers right now? Yeah, so for sure, real quick, like it's it's a, a blend of, um, you know, obviously taking everything into account, the tiebreakers that have been played already, the remaining schedules, we power rank, you know, the, the strength of schedule for the remaining games, all things of that nature. And then also just based on our, uh, you know, power rankings behind the scenes, our quarterback spread rating, how much value we think those guys are worth, and of course, the rest of the roster. So with all of that said, uh, the Steelers do have a two percent chance to win the AFC North. They're not dead yet. I'm guessing that's better than um, you know Cincy's because they obviously beat the Ravens earlier this year. But then they have actually a lower chance to win to make the playoffs at all as a wild card. They're at 31 percent, which is the last of that cluster of good AFC teams. Um, not good AFC AFC teams, but potential wild card in the hunt on, on your favorite graphic uh, AFC teams. They're below Cincy at 34%. You have Houston at 36%. The Buffalo Bills all the way up to 42% now, even with a tough schedule remaining. The Colts at 46%. Despite their loss, they have a pancake schedule going forward. Um, and Denver now all the way up to 53%, more likely than not to make the playoffs per our ratings. Uh, they have some easy games left as well. Oh, and last but not least, the Cleveland Browns and Joe, Mr. Elite Flacco, 77% to make the playoffs. A bunch of good tiebreakers for them. Other potential wildcard teams they've beaten. Beating Jacksonville helps. So, yeah, Steelers are not dead. Still around a one and three chance, but 
you know, per PFF's, you know, ratings and rankings and all that, the last of that cluster, uh, you know, of of around 500 AFC teams. What's funny about the Steelers is as bad as it's been the last two weeks, and it's been obviously abysmal losing to two, two and 10 teams, but you could easily see them beating the Colts on Saturday and uh, shaking this thing up a, a good bit here. Um, Cincinnati is the game that looms after that. They've already beaten the Bengals with Jake Browning. Obviously, Browning's playing better since then. The Bengals in general seem to have figured some things out. Uh, we'll see what that second matchup holds. But it isn't inconceivable to see this team getting to 9-6, and six, losing their last two games against Seattle and Baltimore, and then somehow having the winning record, not making the playoffs. <laughs> it's not it's not inconceivable to see that happening. How much water it will hold this time around after doing this dance a million times uh, remains to be seen. Um, so Pittsburgh, yeah, it's looking a little bit like a long shot to make the playoffs, especially when you consider – their schedule and their road with the Bengals and and even the Colts, even with the recent loss, I think playing obviously better football than the Steelers are playing right now, both having higher odds to to make it. Not great. The two teams with backup quarterbacks were playing better than the Steelers were with their starter. Um, but obviously now they're down to their backup quarterback and Trubisky. Let's just talk about that part of it for a second here. It sounds like based on Tomlin's comments this past week that he never really considered putting Mason Rudolph into the game, place of Mitch Trubisky. They do not have a quarterback conversation right now. He says, seems like Trubisky will start this next game against the Colts on Saturday and probably finish it unless he is so, I mean, he was just atrocious. So I don't know what it would take, probably take actual like three interceptions, four interceptions or something to get him out of there and get Mason Rudolph in. But it'll be at least one more week until they turn the page. Do you have thoughts on this? Do you think this even matters? Not really. Uh, you know, like, look, Mason, it goes back. <laughs> like, to I can't believe we have to talk about this. <laughs> I know, right? This is tough. This is tough. No, it, it goes back to a, a more interesting conversation, I think, a, a league wide of just like, look, yeah, Mason Rudolph, Rudolph would go back to the low variance player that Kenny Pickett is, as opposed to the. You know, high variance Mitchell Trubisky, where he's putting the ball in harm's way a bunch and scrambling and maybe taking bad sacks and maybe fumbling, maybe throwing interceptions um, or multiple interceptions. But it's just like to me, I guess you could make an argument for that style. The 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 low variance style probably makes more sense if you want to just lean on this defense. My issue is, I think when we say that we're just ignoring that this secondary can give up explosives at any moment and is not really like a. Hey, we can just grind out games and just shut down opponents. Like, yeah, at times, mm -hmm. sure. At times, the defensive line can go out and just kind of win you a game, depending on the matchup, like a Rams game, for example. But first, both Alex Highsmith and TJ Water in concussion protocol. Uh, so that obviously is not great news. Uh, and, and then second, I just don't feel that way about this team anymore. I think the Patriots... Look, guys, the Patriots literally could not move the football against the Los Angeles Chargers and came out and, and threw, th threw three touchdown passes in the first half and were just picking on Levi Wallace and DeMonte Kazee. Um, and other teams realize that. They know that. Like, yeah, hold up as long as you can, and you can find an open receiver against this team. So for me, the, the end of this tangent is like, you could make an argument also that you might need the high variance player where Trubisky can hit some nice throws, can push the ball downfield, can scramble and use his legs as an asset um, because the defense isn't as good as we, we really think it is. I hear what you're saying, but is Trubisky that guy? I just, I don't know. Like, is there even the positives like on the other side of this? And that's, <laughs> Like I know that's like oh, you're comparing him to uh, Mason Rudolph, which should be noted here. Like you're not comparing him just in general to quarterbacks, so comparing him to 
a quarterback with quite a weak arm. But yeah, I mean, obviously last year when he played in Pittsburgh, 11 big time throws, and that was something that people noted was, wow, like, you know, almost 6% of your throws are big time throws. Throughout the course of his career, I don't think that's really been the case. That was kind of a high watermark for him. I feel like last year, this year he is one of those. Obviously, he's only dropped back, I think, 96 times this season. Um, but he's got five turnover-worthy plays already. Last year, he had eight turnover-worthy plays. So his percentage is even up this year. Um, although he's he's been higher before, so don't uh, don't underestimate his, his potential to do worse than what he's doing right now. I just don't know if he gives you any of the like enough of the positives, like the high end stuff. I'm all for if he would give you that stuff. I'm all for playing that way. Rudolph is kind of an interest because we actually have not many third string quarterbacks in the league that we have like a legit sample size of like whether they're good or not or what kind of a quarterback they are. And you're right. You are basically never going to get a big time throw with Mason Rudolph. You're never going to get those high degree difficulty passes with Mason Rudolph. Um, He will throw the ball down the field certainly a little bit, but most of the time it's going to be to guys who are wide open, limited arm strength. Velocity is like the worst trait that he has basically one of Um, he, yeah, Turnover-worthy throws, we haven't seen. That one year that he started a good bit was back in 2019, a long time ago, and that wasn't particularly encouraging in that facet. But you know, I don't know that he's going to be that much better either, though, is kind of the flip side of this. So rather than waste a full show talking about this, I'll just say that I don't know how you can, in good conscience, continue to start Trubisky, given how he's played in Pittsburgh, especially of late. It seems like the more he's gotten on the field in this capacity that he's been in, uh, the worse he's been. Um, so to me, like there's just, I have no interest in really seeing him. And whereas Mason, I might have a 0.0000001% chance of being interested in what he offers. So yeah, I'd probably start Mason Rudolph. However, I don't feel passionately enough about this to, to make a strong case either way. I, I do have to, on this topic, I have to bring this up. Do you think like in the history of the NFL, there's been a team with a winning record and I'm not, this is like a Tomlin thing. Uh, that has been booed more consistently at home. Like uh, they've been booed in yeah. the first half of like every home game. <laughs> like, am I am I wrong in saying that? And I know that you may not be as familiar with Steelers fans as I have been over the course of my life. But this is a fan base that has. You talk about a fan base. It's like, nope. The organization does it. We believe it. Like we trust them completely. Like just the track record of the team and all the Super Bowl titles and how much of the fan base is old school just in general. Like you don't question the authority and things like that. And that is basically over. Like that feels over. Like the, this year it feels like the nail in the coffin. I think people getting excited about the preseason, excited about the new regime under Kenny Pickett, some of the flashes at the end of last year, they built their expectations way up. And now it's like, it's amazing to see the heel turn where I used to, every time I'd criticize an organization, I used to get so much flack on social media. And obviously my track record over the last couple of years of being right about a lot of those things has helped, I think, like soften people to some of that. But overall, like it's been amazing to see the transformation where they're like actually like kind of fed up and like actually like booing a team. And I'm like, those kind of things just didn't happen. This isn't like Philly, you know, where like they flip in one moment. Uh, it's not like that in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of loyalty here. And so the fact that that's happened shows just that even though they have a winning record, it, fans are just no longer appeased by that. They have eyes. They see the problems. They're trusting it and they're and they're booing it. So um, all that being said, they are in obviously one of the best divisions in all football right now in the AFC North. That to me shouldn't – I think there's truth to that. However, like the fact that the Bengals and Browns are doing what they're doing with the injuries that they've had at quarterback and the fact that Watson just was not really available or good for the Browns and they are somehow at eight and five – 
their numbers kind of suggest that they could be even a better team than that. Like, and they're doing all this without that. Like to me, that's a sign. Like team playing, I would say out over their skis in some ways, but also I think they've just done a great job. And then the Bengals as well. Like the last two weeks, winning two games against Jaguars and the Colts, who most people I think they were the Jaguars and Colts were favored in those games. I believe went to win those two games with your season basically on the line and to get back above five hundred at seven and six um, with your defense basically the worst in the league in Cincinnati. I mean, in terms of the pass defense, at least like this is, I think they're giving up more explosive pass plays, more explosive plays in general, I believe defensively than any other team in the league I was reading today. And so despite all of that, being able to rally and, and find a way with your back quarterback to produce offense, score in the thirties in both those games and win. Zach Taylor continues to surprise me. The Steelers don't feel like they're trending in the same direction as those teams. So while you could say the division's competitive, it feels like the Steelers are headed down to where they kind of were playing at that level early in the season, but it wasn't really showing up in the win-loss column, and now it seems like it's caught up with them. There's no question about that, for sure. Um, Yeah, so, you know, look, there's still, I think, a lot of things to learn here. There are still young players that are worth monitoring and and seeing them grow. Maybe they eventually pivot to playing more guys. They're kind of forced to based on some of the injuries they've dealt with. But, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's tough times. It's tough times. And I I am familiar with the, the... uh, the Steelers fans of the last half decade and whatnot. I think it's credit to them. Like they, you know, they've seen through the veil and they, uh, they're no longer putting up the mediocrity, um, you know, which, which, which is, it can go both ways. I think you can also say like, you know, I'm annoyed as a fan of, a, of, a, of bad teams that you, you don't just appreciate going 500, but they shouldn't and, and they aren't. And it's, you know, it's good to see. Let me just read you some stats here because I think to give people an idea just where how dismal this is really, uh, for Pittsburgh, they are 25th this year in EPA per play offensively. They're 25th in success rate offensively. They're 25th in dropback EPA offensively, and they are 28th in dropback success rate offensively this season. The teams below them, just in terms of EPA per play, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Patriots, the Browns, oh, that's crazy. If we were Browns <laughs> podcasters, we would need to be talking about that. The Giants, the Jets, and the Panthers. So other than the Browns, probably all the worst teams in the league right now, other than maybe Washington, I'd say, is, is ahead of them, actually. Um, those are the teams like right around them. Ahead of them is Atlanta and New Orleans, uh, who are just atrocious. The Atlanta thing is I could do a whole podcast on that. And actually, both of these teams just... Oh, they were built all this excitement in the offseason. The Saints spent all this money. The, pay, the Falcons, like, oh, Arthur Smith, he put two running backs on the field at one time. Well, yeah, well, he, the offense sucks and he thinks the quarterback that's not good at all is good. So, um, so anyway, those two teams ahead of them, uh, Denver, Washington, those are the teams. So, this is the rank, this is the company that the Steelers keep. So, just keep in mind that would be like what they have to overcome basically the law of averages of all of those teams and just how bad they are and record wise, even. Uh, they would have to overcome that to be able to. Um, make the playoffs. It just seems like the numbers have been there indicating this isn't a team that just got unlucky and lost some games. This is a team that's really struggling in areas that win football games, right? Overall EPA per play is something we all look at. Like if you look at the top of the league in EPA per play, especially with this sample size now, you've got San Francisco, Miami, Dallas, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Detroit, Buffalo, Baltimore, Seattle, and the Rams. Like those are the top teams right now in EPA per play in the NFL, the top 10. All those teams are good. All those teams are a real chance of making the playoffs. If Geno Smith's not out too long for Seattle, you know, Buffalo looks like they're back on track. Uh, and so, yeah, those are the, like, the best teams in the league. And so you're just on the opposite end of that. So, you know, I don't, I know Steelers fans probably don't need us to tell them this. 
to, to let them know that this team's not very good. Uh, but those kind of stats are just really telling when it comes to like where this team hoped to be and where they're actually at. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's jarring to me, too, but the list of teams behind them or, or in their company is, you know, if you try to make a case of like, oh, well, now there's a backup quarterback, like so is like every team on the list is on their backup or their third string quarterback. And then you really haven't had offensive line injuries really at all um you haven't you did i guess you know Deontay was out for a stretch but like you have more talent on the offensive line than probably every team you just listed not yep. cleveland although they've had a bunch of injuries to their offensive line yeah. this you year have better weapons probably than, yeah this year probably right i agree i agree With Keller, lose, you know, both. yeah hasn't been the best season for their guards like right right tackles right. issues have been crazy you know so anyway yeah. it's comparable at least yeah no, you're right, exactly. And then pass catchers is better than all those teams. I'm, I'm not even sure it's particularly close. I guess Fryer with and Deontay, but still, like, you know, the Giants haven't had Darren Waller for most of the season, like yada yada. So there's no like kind of, oh, well, yeah, but the context, like, no, the context makes it worse. It, it's kind of what I'm trying to get at. Like the context of everyone else is also dealing with with worse conditions, a worse roster to begin with, and then probably more injuries than you, and is still in your company. And it comes back to, again, it's just the offensive scheme is is a disaster. And, you know, I, I don't know about blaming the new guys. There's no reason to get mad at, you know, Faulkner and whoever, you know, the, the other guy is that's calling the play. It's like they, they shouldn't have been there, uh, shouldn't have been in these positions in the first place. There should have been a different offensive coordinator, you know, installing an entirely different offense fr- from jump. Um, but, yeah, it just underscores and highlights just what they what they accepted coming into the year. Um I'm always fascinated by, like you mentioned, you know, making fun of Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter. Like, 
I know a it's not it's not Madden, and you can't just make a bunch of sweeping transactions, and b that live speed football games are different than practice. But like, I'll ask you because you know ball better than anyone. Like, do these guys not see this in training camp and the off season and realize like, hey, we're not good? Like, is it not like I, I just it, it just like it befuddles me, frankly. No, I know it's like knowing where you are as a team is a gift. Like knowing where you're at in terms of your your window, I think is a real gift of an organization like to have the kind of vision to know when you need to prepare for the next steps and when you don't pittsburgh certainly not had that i think and so that's why they're kind of middle tier uh for so as long as they've been where they could have been you know doing some of the things that some of the teams that will be picking high in draft uh, have done and so yeah that kind of vision i mean it definitely is probably more uh salient of a, of a point in basketball you know an nba or things like that like obviously easier to assess do you have a star or do you not like do you know you have five guys to play at a time you have eight guys you know 10 guys in your rotation you know or is your rotation good enough or not you only have to evaluate a certain number of players whereas a football team you know you're you're definitely talking about more than that obviously you know you could be evaluating you know way more variables just in general so anyway fascinating big picture macro conversations for sure to be had there which I think Pittsburgh would do well to have some of those discussions in the offseason. Not that I think they need to totally rebuild or anything like that, but clearly they need greater vision as an organization. Obviously, that will come as they make decisions about head coach slash offensive play caller and quarterback. But um, those are all really important decisions to be made. If the Steelers lose their final four games, Brad, do you think they'll move on from Mike Tomlin? That would be a six game losing streak to finish the season losing seven of eight over i would think it then would come down to like what's the locker room like are players like visibly not wanting to play for him anymore and, and i just i don't know if i see that happening it's a fair question right like i push back on a ton if you lose seven six in a row and finish seven and ten after being what six and three like then I, no one is safe from that like like you know and i, I do think this too especially the Roonies, because, you know, George McCaskey in Chicago always talks about how he just, like, talks to his friends that, you know, Art Rooney being one of them and kind of gauges the, the market. These coaches are these owners seeing, like, let's say Bill Belichick gets fired or traded. Um, you know, you see other moves around the league. Like, it does give them, like, protection or or they're more confident and more bolstered in their uh, opinion of something or, or doing something. Like, and I think there's going to be – I'll tell you right now, based on conversations, a half dozen to maybe like 10 new coaches next year, um, which I guess goes both ways. First, you could say, okay, they'll feel more empowered to do something, or they can make the argument of like, hey, it's a flooded market. We're going to be competing with a ton of different teams for a head coach. Should we maybe wait a year for, you know, whatever? Mm -hmm. You can kind of argue both ways. But look, there is no coach that should be safe from losing six straight games uh, and and finishing seven and 10 after a six and three start, especially – given, you know, Patriots, Cardinals, you know, Colts, like some of the teams that they in theory be losing to. Yeah. I mean, it's possible for sure. It's pretty interesting to consider. I think I look at the situation in new England, some reporting yesterday from Tom Curran, Phil Perry, some others, I think too, in, in, in new England that Bill Belichick's fate is basically sealed there that the Patriots have decided, uh, decided earlier this season that after the, after the year, Robert Kraft decided that he was going to move on from Bill Belichick after the season and that there's not really a, a scenario by which he stays. We'll see if that reporting plays out to be accurate. Uh, I have my foibles with some people in that market, but I, I trust the reporting there. I think that that's pretty likely to happen. And I think it's the right call, Brad. I think that in, in maybe we could just dovetail to talk Patriots for a second because I think it relates to the Steelers. It's not obviously that Bill Belichick is not a good coach. It's not obviously that Bill Belichick 
wasn't a part of and a huge reason why the Patriots had so much of the success that they had. However, he's not good at a lot of things that his current role and position ask of him, namely drafting and I think talent acquisition in general. And that has really been revealed. I would say even at the end of Brady's tenure, you could see that obviously the last year that Brady was there, you could see that just how talent deficient they were. And that was one of the biggest reasons I think Brady wanted to go somewhere else is he just was like this. I don't know that we, I don't know that there's a track record here that shows we know how to like build up the talent. When you don't have a Brady making everybody around you better, especially your offensive line, that's a huge part of this, right? Like how much better Brady's made offensive lines look throughout his career. Um, when you don't have that anymore and you don't have Brady go getting how turning household names, receivers and household names that frankly aren't very good. Like you can't get away with all the issues you have evaluating those positions anymore. And so Bill Belichick's not a bad coach. However, Bill Belichick has, it seems like the game has, I wouldn't say passed him by is too harsh of a way to say it in his current role, what he's being asked to do. It's just not sustainable anymore. Like there's nothing about what he's done that shows that he knows what he's doing. And mainly the one of the top reasons can't evaluate the quarterback position enough to, to find the next replacement can't evaluate the offensive coordinator role, right? Those two situations have basically doomed the Patriots. They can't get those even close to right disaster in both areas, basically since Brady has moved on. That's not totally dissimilar from the situation we have in Pittsburgh, where that's, it was even a disaster during Ben's time, I would say. And since Ben has retired, it's been even more of a disaster. So some real similarities there. And I think the Patriots getting ahead of it, and hopefully being able to trade Belichick, we'll see for their sake, hopefully, um, could be a real positive. Now you still have to make the other hire, right? Like it doesn't mean it's going to work out. That's why I hate about these things is if yeah. if your next guy you hire is a clown, then people are going to be like, wow, they moved on from it. And if Tomlin goes on to be like a 500 coach somewhere else and you know goes through a three-game winning streak, people are always going to be like, oh man, like they really let Tomlin go for this. That's not the full picture. Like that's not the full context and all that needs to be considered in these things. And so I just think it's very interesting that all this is happening in New England when in Pittsburgh, it's like pretty similar situation over here, guys. Like, I don't know why nobody's talking about this in the national media. So it's just interesting how one move I think is going to be praised and the other will not be. Well, it's funny because the the reason is the records, even though you'd rather in theory have the Patriots record than the Steelers record, because realistically they're the same thing, the same teams. Um, yeah. you know, you just but just <laughs> one gets a yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, but one just gets a way better draft pick. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say too is, fortunately for the Steelers, the Bill Belichick also is never been capable of evaluating wide receiver talent. It's the weirdest thing ever. He just cannot do it. I mean, he traded two picks ahead of George Pickens to take Tyquan Thornton, who was one of three wide receivers even active and dressed for the game against Pittsburgh and had two catches for 14 yards in that game. So, yeah, no, it's – I mean, he's – I will say this, though. Honestly, I think he's more creative and more adaptive on defense than, than Tomlin is. I mean, their defense oh, is sure. still playing phenomenal football. And they – you lose Christian Gonzalez, who, you know, I love. You lose Matthew Judon, who was kind of the anchor of that defense. And – they're like playing a bunch of dime, big dime packages. They've basically been at the forefront of playing like one or two linebackers on the field for a lot of snaps. They kind of have now played some more Jelani Tavai and and uh, worked in some other players. But but nevertheless, like they're always doing going into the future, you know, responding to offensive adjustments and doing different things. It's funny because at the same time, while he's so good at identifying how to shut down the league's best offenses. 
he never seems to steal what they should do on offense. And I know like he gets a ton of credit and Brady always talks about how like he taught him how to attack, you know, the responsibilities of, of a defense and like how to attack leverage and, you know, what works against certain coverages and how to ID things and all of that. But at the same time, they want to just be this like, you know, I mean, like I, I give them credit for being like maintaining a heavy gap scheme and like going against this grain of like lighter guys and, and you know, attacking the the edges and stuff like that. But like they're just, you know, I, you bring in Bill O'Brien instead of Matt Patricia and, and, you know, I get all that. But it's just kind of fascinating. Like he has the same issue. Like like you said, he can't figure out offense. And in today's NFL, if you don't have a good offense, yeah, maybe you'll sneak in the playoffs. You'll lose first round to a good offense. So. It's just, yeah, like they really are very, very similar parallel situations. But I honestly would say Belichick still is at the forefront uh, of defense and, and adapting and changing and and challenging his own kind of perceptions and beliefs. Whereas I think Tomlin, not that he doesn't do that at all, but I think they're, they're still kind of more just like, here's what we do. We're good at it. And we're not really going to deviate from from those approaches. Yeah, I mean, New England is still, I think they're, what, sixth in EPA per play defensively this season. Which is um, remarkable. <laughs> like, yeah, they do not have a lot of talent. <laughs> who's the best player on their defense? I mean, I was going to say, like, Judon. it's a great, I was going to, Judon, who's out. And then and I think he's been, been out probably. most of the year. Like, most of the year. Like, probably week three, week four, he tore his biceps or whatever it was. And then Christian Gonzalez, I think, was their number one corner already when he's he was, out. you know, playing. I like, I like Jonathan Jones, but like, he was. And then I guess honestly, right now, like, is it Christian Barmore who's like, you know, resurging a little bit? Like, I don't even know who their best player on defense is. I really couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. So there is actually, in my opinion, a way better argument for Bill Belichick to be a head coach of an NFL team after this than there is Mike Tomlin. But that might be a conversation for another time as we get into offseason discussion, if that comes up between the two. Um, one thing I will say is that it seems like, again, like I said, I think the common perception will be. Yeah, it's time for New England to move on from Bill Belichick. Whereas in Pittsburgh, it'll be like, what are these guys doing? Like, he'll get hired in 10 seconds. That's always what you hear. Like, if he hits the market, he'll be hired immediately. That's going to be true of Belichick, too. Like, Belichick's not – if he wants to coach, he'll be a head coach somewhere. Uh, if the if he wants to coach in those situations, we'll see, like, control and all of that and how much that plays into it with him. But there's going to be options for him. The interesting thing, I think – and this is obviously hard to speak of from our vantage point – is that both Tomlin and Belichick, although totally different approaches – have been praised for culturally what they've brought to the locker room and organizations um, in terms of establishing winning cultures, but doing it in totally different ways. Belichick is, you've heard players leave there like, it was like the military, like it was this, it was that, like just kind of comparing their time. They're like, I, we won a lot. It was really structured, didn't have any fun. Like, and it was kind of like, oh man, it, Pittsburgh has been the exact opposite, right? You got dudes, there's drama constantly, right? You have dudes on the field like acting out in games all the time. You have attitude issues in the locker room, attitude issues on the sideline. You got very little accountability in that way uh, from the team. They let players do their own thing. You've heard players in recent interviews I was referencing, like talk about they let players, oh, you film study whenever you want. Sure, like do your thing, you know, like and if players are self-starters and self-motivated and keep organized and that's what your leaders are in your locker room, which for a stretch it was, then you're going to have – great culture. If you don't, then you're not. And so both cultures have had really positive outcomes and are now experiencing really negative outcomes. A lot of that has to do with not winning and not having that quarterback and not having those same veterans in the locker room that you once did in both places. You're seeing fractures in both of those types of cultures. So culture, just in general, that it would be a very fun kind of other topic to discuss and like a, you know, more of a macro vision type of football pod. But I think that's important that both those guys are going to probably bring those cultures to whatever organization they go to next. And it could be a disaster 
if the personnel and the situations they step into are not much different than where they are now. Like if it's similar to what they're in now and it's like, oh, you guys need to rebuild this organization from the ground up. You better hit that quarterback. You better find somebody that, that has the same vision, basically. And I think Belichick with Herbert would be fascinating in some ways with the Chargers. Um, Tom and I'm a little less certain of what would be a, a best fit for him because I don't see him as a guy with a younger team that's going to get that thing back on track. That's never been what he's done. Uh, Belichick has at least, although he had Brady, has at least like won some Super Bowls rebuilt that kind of group after not being in the Super Bowl for years and years and made them another top contender, although they were still good all of those years. So I don't know if that really qualifies, but we at least have a little bit of a sign from him over that period of time of kind of rebuilt retooling at least a little bit where Tomlin, we don't, we don't have indicators that he can do that and be that type of type of coach. And so um, that's kind of the distinctions of how I see it, but the culture aspect is like a pretty big one in that they both been praised for it a ton, and it's clearly not working in either place right now. You have dudes in the Pittsburgh locker room just popping off left and right after every game. Minkus Fitzpatrick's calling people out. Like, it's a mess right now in Pittsburgh. Like, And Tomlin just acts like it isn't a big deal every presser, and he's not going to let the media see that. He's too prideful for that. But internally, like this has this is a problem he has not really faced, is being questioned like this. And all ex-dealers outside the organization – consistently questioning him even ben roethlisberger this past week pouncey has ryan clark has all that stuff is in his his brain well he'll never show it to the media again because like he's too prideful for that but all that stuff is 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 certainly milling around in tomlin's brain and on the other side of things with belichick i think just that nature of the organization what it's been I mean, is there a more joyless looking team every single week than the Patriots? They like they win and there's just like no energy. Like you would never have thought they beat Pittsburgh just based on body language and watching them on tape and just seeing you're like, these guys don't even seem happy about what they're doing right now. It's like, so anyway, both cultures have been really successful. Both can be really broken in the wrong situations. So this is funny. And I'm going to segue this into our conversation too. So the funny thing is, I don't know if you remember when the Patriots beat the Bills, was it like a couple, like probably I don't know, a month ago, six weeks ago, they went nuts. You had Mike Kosicki doing his gritty and there's whatever you want to call his dance move. And then Gronk went on TV and was like, we didn't celebrate after the Super Bowl as much as these guys are celebrating after this like random win to get their second win. I do think since then they've been like way more muted and like not having as much. I mean, you're not wrong. It's also Belichick and his military culture. No question about it. But um, I actually was laughing because someone brought that up about the Steelers game where they were like, look at the juxtaposition because it's also the last time they won was like six weeks ago. It's Buffalo. It was like, look at the, the two reactions to these wins. And then also you get Zappy who comes in, like daps up Bill O'Brien in the locker room. And I'm like, shake Bill Belichick's <laughs> hand is like, thank you, sir. Like, I don't know if you saw that. Thank you, sir. It's, it's, it's the best video on the internet. But yeah, so it, I'll say this though. So yeah, the culture is one thing for sure. It's, you know, end of the day, this is my summary. Like, Yes, cultures do matter. Yes, you can establish all that. If you win, you have a good culture. If you lose, you have a bad one. Like, let's not like over like, yeah. and that's that's too simplified. It's not necessarily that, true, but like that is what matters. Here's my pivot now to the conversation we kind of wanted to have. So, for me, the biggest difference between these two teams right now is, look, both both divisions are good right now. Yes, however, New York to me has 2024 with Aaron Rodgers, and then who knows. The Bills, obviously their window with Josh Allen will be in perpetuity, but you have the rest of the roster is going to have to be completely overhauled. Von Miller is probably done. Stephon Diggs will be 30 next year or push his way to Dallas or whatever. So they're going to have to reshuffle the deck. Even Miami, they're young. They have some good talent, but 
Tyreek going to be gone two years from now. He said himself he's going to retire after his contract. They have to pay a ton of players. Their center just tore his ACL. Robert Hunt, I projected to get a very good contract in free agency. They just paid a tackle. Teron Armstead at left tackle is a giant question mark. Anyways, the point I'm making is, while both are good right now, sure, the Patriots' path back to being at the top of their division, in my opinion, could be like 2025 if things kind of go wrong for those teams. Again, you know, Josh Allen's Josh Allen. Two and Mike McDaniel probably will make some magic, whatever. But whereas in, in the AFC North right now, okay, look, Deshaun Watson might never be the same player, so maybe there's that. But, like, I think there's sustainably good teams, and the Ravens have a ton of free agents, and I'm rambling now. The Ravens have a ton of free agents they got to figure out, but nevertheless. Well, Lamar like, and Joe Burrow for the future for both those organizations, period, end of story. 110%. Right, right. You and fear so them like more me, than you fear a Tua. Even just even if you discount, if you say Tua will be as healthy as he has been this season, his whole career, I don't think you fear Tua the way you'd fear those two guys. Like, those two guys are clearly better quarterbacks than him, in my opinion. 100%. Right. 110% right. When conditions are perfect, he's great. Right now, they are perfect. They're not going to be in the near future. So that's just how football works. Mm-hmm. So that is the thing to where, like, I would almost say, okay, I'll give Belichick a little more leash because like, maybe he, he can fix this thing one more time, get him a Drake May, get him a Caleb Williams, and see if he can do it and, and be good by the end of the 2020s. He'll be 75-plus years old, and we'll pass it off. For me with the Steelers, it's like if we flounder for a couple more years – we're pushing this thing back to like the next time we're competitive in our division yeah. could be like so long from now. Like I almost think you, you make the argument you want to start over more so than, than new England, because if you don't get this thing, right, you're, you're, you're like, yeah, like you could be in purgatory for a long time. It's an interesting point. Obviously I see Buffalo is formidable, but there's a chance McDermott's not there. I, I think he will be, but there's a, you know, there's a chance some of those things, happen there and there's some unrest there you always get the feeling that how long is the two thing gonna last although I, I like him like i do think he's gotten better it just there's some games like the other night where it's just like is this like is he really gonna win it like they just keep passing on quarterbacks every single year but then you look around the league and you're like well he probably in contention to be a top 10 quarterback like it's kind of like the kirk cousins thing it's like you look at him every year like is this this is it like you you know kind of gonna do this but then you look around the league and you're like he's probably a top 12 guy every year. Like, you know, there's just not that many better options. And so it's kind of where we're at as a league right now, unfortunately, although this year things could be changing probably more. Ollie and I might talk more about that. Just this, the incredible parody in the league right now, if quarterback play and having an elite quarterback is, is starting to matter a little less. Like there's a lot of that to get into, obviously. I still think you're going to see in the playoffs that it does matter, but how you get there is, is more of an interesting process than has been in the past because how much does the seating continue to matter as much as it's mattered in the past i think is a is a big uh, data point to be watching over the next couple of years because it will affect how teams treat the regular season um but yeah I, so that is an interesting point i mean yeah the jets certainly you, you think if they get rogers healthy for a season after this they might have a one-year window but even then are they going to be good enough there's just a lot of questions there obviously and then obviously the future is a huge question mark so yeah lots of Lots to think about there. Patriots do seem further away talent-wise than the Steelers. That's worth noting, probably. And the other issue I have with Belichick, probably one of the biggest and why I'm in, I'd very much be in favor of them moving on from him, is A, you can get something for him in trade value, probably, for sure. And B, uh, which it does matters a lot when you're rebuilding as much as they need to rebuild. They are just hardly have any actual talent, where the Steelers have plenty of actual talent, I think. And so, like, the Steelers, how many players would you take on the Steelers before you took the, the best player on the Patriots or on their whole team? 
a lot. <laughs> like I mean, so many. <laughs> like I'm I'm just gonna go off the top of my head. We've seen Christian Gonzalez for like three games, right? So like yeah, let's not put him in it just because we can't you can't evaluate a corner off three games. Like that's impossible. All right, so, Joey Porter Jr. and Christian Gonzalez are removed. Let's say that. And they get okay. to level playing field. Take those guys out. Okay, go ahead. Fair. Um yeah. so I mean you're taking TJ Watt over everybody in the page. Who's the best player on the Patriots? Let's just start there. Is Judon defensively? It's like a genuinely building block long term player. It's probably Christian Barmore, who's like, I don't know, He's not a, even a, a full time player I, I, until yeah, this season. But like, no, no, you're right. You're right. He had injuries last year. I mean, year. I'm not saying you're be, wrong. I'm just, no, I know. I know. I know. I, know. I, I think he was supposed to be a full time guy last year and injuries kind of slowed him down. But, um, no, yeah, you're not wrong. I, but it's my thing. If we take away Christian Gonzalez, I like Matthew Judon. He's a pending free agent. He's 33 years yeah. old. Or like, they're not going to resign. Yeah, he's one year going to be there. It's, yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't know because like Jonathan Jones is fine, but like you know he, he's fine. The safeties they're all a bunch of older vets on one year deals. To, okay, Kyle Duggar maybe, but he's like a twenty eight year old safety. So it's like we're we gonna say he's the best player on the team. Like he's also a pending free agent. Like Trent Brown's <laughs> a pending free agent. He probably is the answer. Like yeah, like you're laughing, but it's like I'm giving. I, I don't think I'm wrong in the days of throw it out there. Osmond is a pending free yeah. agent, kind of a scheme specific player. Like, Wait, so to Trent Brown, Unwainu, and Matt Judon are all pending free agents. So is Kyle Duggar? I think so. Duggar is as well. Uche is as well. Judon might have one more year left, but hold on, let's see here. He got a he got a raise this past offseason. Let's okay. see. Yeah, so he has twenty twenty four left. But so but let's anyway, just say they're else. rebuilding. Could he be cut? Or traded? yeah, probably. If the injury is bad too, like I I could see it. It's yeah. a, it's a modest deal. Like he got he tried to get an extension, yeah, only got like a modest raise. So maybe they keep him, but. If they certainly could cut him, wouldn't surprise me at all. He could also be like, "Hey, can I go play my final years on a, on a real team?" But yeah, Uchi, Duggar, Anwanu, and then like you know, Peppers. Like they, these guys are all pending free agents. This is crazy. I mean, Barmore's played. And born. Barmore's played five hundred and forty six snaps this year, which isn't a little bit, but that's not bad for yeah, interior, yeah. Wow, he'll play 700 on the year, which is like wow. you know. Oh, you guys starter. have Jabril Peppers yeah. up there for the Patriots in terms of grades. And I, was yeah. he not on a team when Week One? Like he was, was on the Patriots, but it's a fair, was, it's a fair question. Was he in, in uh, camp that they signed him? Though it was like in yeah, camp. Yeah, no, 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 no. He he was there. He was there. They brought him in oh, last year, I think. <laughs> Did maybe they? Okay, right, maybe right. I remember that. Yeah, maybe overall. No, they have so many of the but same no, types. Like he's a classic Belichick, like you yeah. know, role, very specific role type guy. Okay, so he's Duggar probably won't either. be back, giving them drafting Mapu and and having February like it. Anyway, yeah, Doug, wow. Duggar, I think, will, yeah, exactly, so, exactly. I mean, you'd legitimately take Deontay Pickens, uh, Warren and Harris, like, yep, probably yep. James Daniels over an offensive lineman. Yep. I mean, yep. you take most of the Steelers' offense before you take That's the Patriots' play. Yeah, first. you take most of the Steelers' offense over New England higher roster. The 25th offense in EPA per play. I yeah, mean, exactly. It's just exactly. so bad. Like, you know, if you're just comparing units, like if you're just comparing offense to offense, would everybody on the Steelers on? I mean, you would almost take everybody. Like maybe in Wayne and Trent Brown would would start, but Trent Brown's not right. even gonna be there next year, almost certainly. Like he's probably getting like there's no reason for them to oh man, what a mess. Like it's yep. So that's where I would be like the coaching part with Belichick out of more optimism about the GM part of Belichick and just like the team building part. That's gonna be an interesting if he does hit the market, like what at like does a team willing to cede that level of control to him or is he willing to go somewhere without that level of control does he even is he like no i would like somebody else to gm i just want to coach at this point i doubt that but that that's gonna be very interesting conversations there 
That's the fascinating piece is that he way more so than Tomlin or anyone else. Like his, yeah, he's built the least talented roster. I think they have less talent than Carolina. Carolina is also terrible, but like they at least have like Derek Brown, Brian Burns, like, mm-hmm. you know, guy. we can name a couple guys that yeah, would be real guys. by far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be by far the best player on on the New England Patriots. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. I wonder he's never going to get seed full control, obviously, but I wonder if they can convince him to like you know whatever hypothetical team, the Washington Commanders, whatever. Say hey, like we're just we want you to be a part of, but not the leader of the personnel department. Maybe he says no, but yeah, it's been bad the last you know five years. Now, the gift of Belichick is that he can take a bunch of guys like this level defender and turn almost all of them into good players like because he knows exactly <laughs> yes. how to use people defensively anyway. So like there is real value to him because you probably aren't going to have to overplay def- overpay defensive players in order to have a good defense with him as your coach. Like he really is that good on that side of the ball. But when you talk about the offensive side, coordinator, quarterback, wide receiver, even offensive line, some of the moves in recent years, valuation of certain positions in the draft, those are big question marks with him. Like, I don't know that he prescribes to a lot of that stuff. I don't know how big a part of you probably have a better feel for how big a part of analytics are in the, his process or the, the process of the organization in general, how much he believes in those. And so, yeah, not really think for either. About, about as much as Tomlin does, maybe a little more. <laughs> yeah, about, about that much, yeah, which is honestly probably a, a big knock against both of them, just not necessarily just because of analytics, but in forward in, in terms of being forward thinking as head coaches, just in general, which I think Belichick is schematically, as you noted, like he's, He's multiple varies it gets. He will literally – Mahomes was talking about this in the quarterback um, documentary on Netflix this past uh, year when it came out, like how hard it is to play Belichick because the game plan is never really the same. Even if it worked, he will just devise something different. And so like you're expecting, oh, he did this and it worked. We got to counter that. And then he'll just do something different, expecting you to counter. And so just how hard it is to play against him because of that. Uh, and I've – this has been my big takeaway from the season. One of my big things is just unpredictability on defense is – probably as important as anything because if you know kind of what a defense is going to do or know what to expect from a defense like then you pretty much can devise most teams can devise plays to be able to beat that defense and they're likely to hit them at some point during the game as long as execution is a complete disaster uh, that's a big gripe I have with Todd Bowles and defense and, and Tampa Bay as I watch them each week it's just the predictability and coverage and what they're going to be in allows teams even with bad quarterback play to just consistently scheme things up that will beat what their coverage is just because they have a very good sense of there's a pretty good chance you're going to be in this Belichick, the best defense. And I even give Tomlin credit for this. Like the Steelers are, are a pretty multiple team when it comes to coverages and, and have evolved more and more that way. Um, it's probably one of the only ways I've seen Tomlin grow uh, during his time as coach. Um, so anyway, uh, all that to say there are aspects of this thing, which there can be forward thinking, but for the most part in the team building sense of things, the guys are kind of dinosaurs and Tomlin's not had the same level of control as Belichick, but he's had a lot of power in Pittsburgh and a lot of, you know, the, the picket pick was, he was big influences there. And obviously the pit tie and t- tying that to Canada. And he just believed that marriage was going to work and it was a disaster. And so all of that, definitely like he's that's examples of big picture stuff. He was a part of that just completely crashed and burned. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's a fascinating juxtaposition given the, given the two. But yeah, it's just the difference in what they're facing going forward to me is kind of the pivot point. I still think Tom will be back, like we said, but you know, it's just like, here, like even the example of Washington to where, you know, you could question what they did, kind of their entire mass pivot. I think in their minds, they're like, look, Dallas and Philly are going to be a problem for the next, we know for the next couple of years, let's kind of just like pay this thing down to the, to the studs and then just wait for like 
Okay, in Dallas, you got like Tyron Smith, Stephon Gilmore. Let's name a bunch of guys that'll be gone. And then in Philly, I mean, you literally have like Jason Kelsey, Wayne Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Grant. Like, just wait for like a half dozen like Ring of Honor guys for both teams to go away, and then try to make your surge. And I think that is the kind of the Patriots spot. Yeah, AFC North. It's like these these teams could be good for the next six, seven, eight years. Like you gotta you gotta start the entire thing over um potentially if it goes poorly in 2024 um but maybe you tell yourself you want to get jump started soon uh because it's it's tough slot it is and i would love to you know if we get the chance to i don't want to have these conversations prematurely but if it get if the steelers lose like their next three and we're feeling like oh there could be a real change coming here like i would love to talk about some of the candidates however knowing pittsburgh a i think they'll keep Mike Tomlin. b I don't know. I think they're just going to win one of these. I think they're going to win this week against Indianapolis. It's going to make no sense. Colts are playing better than them. The Steelers are, you know, look like they're on their way down. It's going to be one of those weird games. Like, this is just how it's gone for so many years that I just know when I see it. Like, as soon as it gets to the point where backs are against the wall, chips are down, like, it gets hard. There's, like, a focus and a, and a energy. And then there, and also it's, what, a Saturday night primetime game. Um, I, like, I think all those things matter for this team. So, I do think Pittsburgh is going to find a way to beat Indianapolis this week, Brad, and then we'll see what the conversations are like after that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting, especially because the Colts were riding high and all that, but, you know, just kind of had a bit of a clunker and lost uh, this past weekend. So there's not really any, like, yeah, like it's a team, again, We if we did a guy off, a, a dude off on paper, like the Steelers have more players. Like I like a lot of Colts players, but they yeah. more of, I think, like a ton of above average players and like few, like, you know, force multiplier difference makers. Maybe that's the edge that they in this game. But anyway, yeah, the, 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 it'll heat up for sure. If you lose to the Cardinals, Mitchell, uh, Mitchell, uh, Bailey Zappi and Gardner Minshew in three straight weeks. I mean, Pittsburgh might be on fire. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to go on the, the fan after that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and turnovers are the thing that my mind keeps coming back to. Like Minshew's got away from it a little bit recently, but like he's he has his turnover issues. The Steelers obviously do with Trubisky in there as well. But if they can avoid those and he can be careful for one week, if they can win that battle, I think they could, they could, that could be enough to swing game like this. And they've had that luck break their way more often than not this season, for sure. If there's one thing you could say about him, uh, you know, obviously Trubisky last week wasn't good. Do you have one pick or two? I, one called bad. Uh, just one, right? I think it was just but one. But he should Most have had like, yeah. Yeah. He should have had, he could have had three or four, but I think only one got picked off. Most passes weren't accurate enough to be caught by any human. Correct. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there was an uncatchable ball, whether it's the defender or his receiver. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. Even... <laughs> exactly. So, all right. That's good stuff. It's good to get into some of those macro conversations. The Belichick thing really got me thinking over recent weeks. And so it's good to kind of dive in and, and have that kind of discussion on just those two coaches. And I think the trajectory is just really similar. And so, um, yeah, definitely very interesting discussions to look at the the similarities and then the differences too, which are more palpable. I mean, I think both are are worth considering uh, and will be probably worth revisiting if both do become available this offseason. So uh, turning the page doesn't necessarily, it might be bleaker. It might be a little bleaker record-wise um, right after that if your next coach doesn't hit or if your roster suffers or things like that as you're figuring things out. But to me, that is better than purgatory with no chance of moving up. And I just think that's where... That's like the best case scenario right now for both these franchises. So interesting stuff. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the uh, Bucks or the sorry, the Steelers upcoming game against the Colts. We'll preview that one a little bit. Uh, do our roster draft. See how the Steelers fare in that one. Um, and 
move on from there. So until then, thanks so much, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Yin's No Ball podcast.